Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Heineken. Heineken would like to remind you that it's time for seasonal beers again. That's right. If you thought a cold, crisp summer Heineken was something, just wait until you taste the Heineken fall lineup or autumn, depending on your zip code. Is it a new product? No, just the same great tasting lager that's perfect for any season. Now, I'm personally like I don't really live in a very seasonal place. It's hot a lot here in Los Angeles. But the one thing that I've really been enjoying over these last couple months is standing in my driveway, essentially, and uh, grilling and drinking an ice cold kind of to watch the sun go down and kind of take stock of everything. It's like just the perfect end of the day, beginning of the night, into the night beer. Heineken Original Lager is made with pure malt and their famous A yeast, which makes Heineken an all season, all the time kind of beer. Pick up a pack or have it delivered today and drink responsibly. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRigger.com. And joining me on the other line, the Maradona of the Marinade, it's Andy Greenwald. Wow. Quite the gall showing up here on Memorial Day. I mean, Labor Day or whatever day. <laughs> Lost all sense of time. It's actually Friday. We're doing this a little bit in advance. It's our Labor Day mailbag. I feel like it's somewhat of a tradition that we do a special mailbag or a mixtape episode for, for Labor Day to end summer. Remember that? We've done that yeah, before. Also because we like to take a day off. Sure. Yeah. I mean no I, I like off the way your you boy though. Yeah. I like the way you were framing it as like another gift that we give to all of you. <laughs> it's beautiful. Andy, it's great to see you. Just saw you yesterday where we recorded the uh one of the world's most beloved television podcasts, The Watch. Um, I hope that the Ted Lasso fans in your mentions haven't made Twitter any less comfortable than usual. How are you doing? I don't know if the majority of our listeners even made it to that part of the conversation because, frankly, they were up in arms. People are talking, Chris, mm-hmm. about how yesterday's podcast began with a, an accusation by you that I had somehow been uh, delinquent. Been Negligent. Delinquent, yeah. negligent, inattentive, yeah. downright rude to you. I, my just like, is it friendship if it's not that? You know, like what when what you is have it a friendship, this thing. When you have a friendship like ours that is as old as Kaya McMullen, <laughs> I think that it's tough for people to come in off the sidelines and have opinions. And so you were saying that I had not delivered on my promise to help you on your journey. To mm-hmm. become an American grill master. And to unlock and, the, the secrets of, of the nervous bird, the American basically, chicken. Yeah. Basically. Did you ever see that? The guy who coaches Michigan football, uh, uh-huh. Jim Harbaugh? Was it Jim or John? I don't know which one. I can't. Jim. I get them confused. He's like, chicken is a nervous bird. And that's I, like, that's why he just eats like cowboy steaks and drinks milk every day. That's really interesting. Um, I believe it was another great man who once said, chicken is a dish best served wet. <laughs> <laughs> a pollo mojado over That's here. Me. So listen, the point being, I want everyone to understand that I am a responsive friend. When mm-hmm. I am publicly shamed, as I was. It shouldn't have to get to this point, by the way. Groundbreaking podcast, The Watch, soon to be renamed The Sauce. Uh, I signed off our Zoom and then I put in work. I wrote a very long email. You know, I don't I don't go by page count, but it was single space. There were categories. Basically. Holding your wing, mm-hmm. let's just say it, from every you know, from 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 beak to barbecue, okay, uh-huh. with all oh, this the is actually, you know what, this is a pretty sauces. This is a pretty long email. I only read the first three paragraphs. Oh my god, what has what has what is what is becoming America's favorite podcaster done to your attention span? <sighs> Chris, it's so long. I was like, from everything from like. The, the, the meat, the bone in, the various categories that you want to combine for these sauces and rubs and marinades to even like how much time you spend on the grill. I even put in a little like, you're okay, walk away. Let it let it work. So I in did there. that yesterday. And, and, wait, wait, wait. Let me just, look, I'm preheating right now. Actually, I've been preheated <laughs> since last night. So I sent this and I was like, this is a kind thing I did for my friend. And I waited, you know, I waited a minute. And then I was like, you know what? I sent it, I sent it to my guy's personal email. I'm not sure where he's at with his syncing anymore. Like maybe, maybe I should have sent it to Spotify HQ. Only, I don't know. Only, so only I, getting I, those notifications if they're from Eck. You know what I mean? So, so I did a passive aggressive move from the PR playbook circa 2005, 
which is I then texted you, check your email with a series of chicken emojis. That was the last text communication between longtime friends, Christopher Ryan and AJ Umami Greenwald. And so I had to say something online. I had to be like, what's going on here? Let everyone know that I was not delinquent. And guess guess what I got in response Call out culture just running rampant on the Watch podcast. Other friend, Zach Barron writing me and being like, wow, this sounds like a great email. I'd love to see that. I've got some questions myself. And I was like, absolutely, friend. This is a healthy dialogue. Here's an email. And he was like, fantastic. Especially the parts about like direct and indirect heat, you know, because that's often, uh, that's often a troublesome spot mm-hmm. for the novice on the ant-free grill. And, and so I went to bed being like, well, Chris must be really pouring over this. He must be like one of the scholars and in the name of the rose, you know what I mean? Like just pulling down the heavy volumes off the shelf wearing robes. I've definitely got that haircut. <laughs> the morning comes. Check the email. Still nothing. Still still no no clucking coming from my inbox. I and currently now you, sh- now you show up on this podcast and you have the gall to talk poultry with me. I was just I was a little tender yesterday, unlike my chicken. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was more about an emotional reckoning for me than it was really about being ready to come back and learn. And yeah. now that I made a practice, I did a, a practice breast yesterday just to kind of see how it went. Real simple, just like olive oil, salt, pepper, a little special okay. sauce as a marinade, like as a brush on. I didn't even marinate it. I will get to the marinating. I just wanted to see if I could cook through it. You know what I mean? If I could cook through the piece of meat. Uh, judging by your quick trigger finger when it comes to emails from your best friends, my guess is no. My guess is you lay the meat onto the grill, hear a sizzle, and assume, well, that must be done. <laughs> oh, it's still cooking. <laughs> no, I didn't even go back to it. I haven't checked the, the chicken's email. Uh, Andy, I, I uh, only wish that this was relevant. Like, if we were dropping the show today, maybe people you're about to barbecue over the weekend you know, could get something from it. But instead... No, I, I just hope that your weekend. So, are you going to go open were. source with this marinade, or is there something a little bit more guarded? Because I think a lot of people have asked for you to do it. Like, they want to know what's up. Are you going to post they want the me, docs? They want me to drop the parentheses Ziploc full of raw poultry and various <laughs> spices end parentheses bag. That's what they want. <laughs> yes, I'm here for my. I'm here for my listeners if they're responsive. I'm here for our listeners too. That's why we're doing a mailbag today. So you guys sent in some questions over Twitter and Facebook to amazing, amazing developments um, over the last 15 years of this uh, (laughs) of existence. And no, we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody listening. It's been a long summer, uh, but we wanted to hit a bunch of different topics. Now, Andy, we've started a lot of our shows recently with Streaming Wars talk. So while we do have some Streaming Wars-esque questions, Mm -hmm. I thought we would start somewhere else. Is Is that okay with you? This is great. You know, you, I don't know if you remember this about me, but like when it comes to mailbags, you know what I mean? You are, um, you're a perfectionist. You like to consider the questions. You choose the questions. No, Kaya, I'm, Kaya chose them. I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm Thelonious Monk. Okay. I find it. I find my rhythm on stage. <sighs> Andrew Hertz wants to know. This is more of an anecdote for me, Andrew, actually. Okay. I have told my wife that I cannot watch another medical show after all the ones I've watched over the years. Understandable. What genre of show are you sick of in 2020 and hope they press pause button on for a few seasons? Andrew, great question. Because I was just thinking about Mm. this after we talked about three-body problem. I have decided... Chinese science fiction epics? Is that where you're going with this? No. I have decided that I, Chris Ryan, Mm. will only be leaving planet Earth once per year going forward. Whoa! Yeah. I, I love space. And I, I think this almost applies a little bit to dystopian views of society, mm-hmm, you know, futuristic mm-hmm, dystopian mm-hmm. views of society. I don't even know if Raised by Wolves, the new Ridley Scott show on HBO Max is set on another planet or if it's set on Earth, but shit went sideways for us. Looks bad. Looks like a tough scene either way. I have decided that I want to stay on this, on this, on this planet. I, I'm a little bit tired of going out somewhere else finding out that there is a new society out in outer space, but that it's very similar to our own. And I've just, so, so, so if you're asking Andrew, what show, what's a kind mm-hmm. of show that you're kind of taking a pause on? I think I, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break in space. This is an incredible 
incredibly counterintuitive take for 2020. I feel like the number one thing that most people on the street, hell, most people who go to diners in Iowa would say, if asked, what they would like to do with the rest of the year, go into space and find another civilization that's kind of like ours would be like top three, top three answer. Not now, if this there's is like the a year. There's already a like multi interplanetary war going on mm, and a big yeah. brother kind of surveillance system. Eh, I'm just like, how <laughs> much worse? What's the temperature like? Is that what your first question is? I, I, I'm just like, I'm sure there's a, a thriving spice market for protagonists to run through and, you know, extravagantly spill things in at some point during a chase scene. Um, I think that's I think that's a valid answer. Mm-hmm. I think probably the most, uh, the easiest answer would be cop shows, uh, mainly because of the year that we've had and the conversation that is ongoing about the role of police in society. I would say that if I, if I did suggest taking a pause on cop shows, it would probably be so that TV can catch up to the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I would actually be very interested in uh, police shows circuit late 2021, you know, when I spoke to our pal George Pelicanos last week and he, he kind of, this got buried in a podcast, but he broke the news about the new David Simon show that he, that he's working on, um, kind of the wire reunion show behind the scenes. And it is a cop show set in Baltimore, but interestingly, it is based on, um, reporting from the Baltimore sun and a book that just came out last year about kind of the, the, a, a squad within the department that ran wild. Mm-hmm. And kind of presaged this moment of like the militarization of the police. And I'm actually, I'm quite ready for that show. And that show feels pretty prescient um, in the way that sometimes can happen when people are a little bit ahead of events and are a little bit art, further ahead in their work. So that's my complicated answer. My short answer would probably have to be sitcoms about coaches coaching <laughs> sports they know nothing about. I'm ready to take a pause on that. So you really are out on Lasso, aren't you? You've given Lasso to, the sack. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get back at you. This this thing you the thing you mentioned about um, cop shows, and and also about going leaving this planet to to find another one, ties in directly to Dana Kimpton's question: Do you want to see coronavirus storylines, episodes, seasons in shows, or would you prefer? If writers and showrunners pretended it didn't exist, how much hashtag Corona content is too much? I, I would be very happy if it didn't exist in content. I, I just, especially, you know, contrary to the federal government's opinion, this is very much an ongoing concern mm-hmm. um, in our lives and everyone's lives. It's affecting every part of American society and more so than I think the world. So I, I just feel like it, it strikes me that in the wrong hands, it could be the most, the most ham-handed of attempts for relevance. What is there to say in a nightmare when you're living it? I'd be mm-hmm. much more interested in post-corona content, both on a personal and life level, but also artistically. And also I'd be curious about sh- to see shows that examined, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but this pandemic is kind of a black light on all the false lines in American society. And so a renewed commitment to talking about those things and exploring stories that, that, that deal directly with those fault lines related to, um, you know, class, race, gender, everything. Um, very interested in that, but I kind of don't want to see, um, I, I don't even know an example like Brooklyn nine, nine, but they're all wearing masks. The yeah. one exception to that, that I, that isn't necessarily my jam, but I kind of get is Ted Lasso. Is, is Ted Lasso's upcoming heart wrenching pandemic episode, The Connors, the post Roseanne spinoff. You know when they release their image for like a promotional image for the season that they have actually returned. To, they've got they've gone back into production and are filming. It's all of the characters wearing masks, and I feel like a show that shows like that that are a little bit quicker turnaround and you know used to shoot in front of a live audience. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there sh- because those shows are always kind of just skating on the surface of current events. Um, your fave mom could do it. Sure, not without R. Anna R. Ferris though. She's taken off. R.I.P. Anna Ferris. Well, she's it's she's a- still with us. She's just leaving the show. Good. Are we sure? Okay, great. <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting some breaking news. You know, she just left a TV show. Um, just want to say shouts to Chuck Lorre for not calling the show Moms. 
You know what I mean? Like he doesn't yeah. have to change it now. No, I know. And he, I mean, I, I've, I've only seen a couple of episodes of mom, but if that guy, that guy has shown in the past that he's like, Oh, are you leaving? We'll definitely be making five more seasons of this. Mom's pretty good. What, what, I, I just dominated that answer. What, what you got? I think I am probably personally more interested in the immediate aftermath of coronavirus, both on a personal level. Like I would love to, <laughs> to experience that. Yeah, and that also great. Uh, artists reckoning with it. So mm-hmm. this is very much in, from my personal experience. And it's definitely not the case for everyone. But obviously, it's been a really isolating and monotonous time in some ways. You know, monotonous in the worst way where the news is bad. It keeps getting worse. Um, I feel deeply like empathetic with my 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 fellow my my fellow like my neighbors, my countrymen, everybody, and yet feel like kind of at three or four steps increased removed from them. So I feel like very distant from people. I don't know how you dramatize that. Or I don't know whether or not that's like right. good good drama. You know, I think that there are there are probably very creative people out there who could think of what's a heist movie like when you have to be socially distant. What's this like, you know, all these different tropes that you would apply to this world. I think I'm probably like you. I agree with you. That was a very well, good way of putting it, that it's like this whole thing has shown a black light on society. I'm curious about what art comes out of the aftermath of this. And hopefully this time next year or, or whatever, we can talk about that art because that, you know, that, I would love it if we were on that kind of trajectory. Agree. And on a friend level, if you are feeling disconnected from people, I think replying to their emails in a timely fashion would be a great way to just feel like, you know, part of the flow again. I I don't want to like derail the podcast, but the (laughs) assertion that you and I are somehow not in contact all day when five and a half mile jog Greenwald logs on and just starts firing off links like like daily cause just like <laughs> hey just the, the morning link dump here just had my my la cologne and i'm flying i get i get really jacked up after a run <laughs> yeah it's true okay i was curious so this is this this ties into what we were just talking about andy but uh jango stout great name uh, mm-hmm. i'm not sure asks do you have picks for the best art during and reflective of the pandemic yet, i.e. excluding works made pre-pandemic that landed and resonated after we all went into quarantine, or is it too soon? Um, I'm definitely, to some degree, it's too soon. Um, I'm definitely going to struggle with the particulars here, but the first things that come to mind are Charlie XCX's quarantine album. You're really into that. I'm feeling now, really good record. The pandemic episode of Happy Endings mm-hmm. reunion episode available on on YouTube, and but my, I think easily the consensus pick for um, best content during the pandemic is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal on Russ and Daughter's Instagram feed. That's good. That's Highly very recommend good. it. Check it out. <laughs> it's really riveting. It's I, riveting I wish stuff. people could see the look Andy gave me through Zoom when he said that those words because I I don't. I think you've gone, you've passed the bit Rubicon. So this is, can you explain to people what you're talking about? (laughs) Well, no, I just, obviously restaurants of all kinds and food workers are in critical shape at this moment. And uh, Russ and Daughters, the beloved New York institution um, is still open, still, still providing essential bagels and locks to essential people in New York city and shipping around the country. And they created uh, one of their iconic shirts, but it's kind of a tie-dye style that if you pay 40 bucks for, you get the shirt, but all the money goes to saving restaurants uh, mm-hmm. nationwide. And their f- friend of the shop, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. has just been like, he, he's just really repping for them. So he, he's been making little videos and tie-dye shirts. I think didn't he did something for them at the very beginning of this pandemic, I believe, where he was sort of upside down planking. Okay. And that, I just that was it, for Russ and Daughters? It, <laughs> I saw like I saw in that my mind, going. in my mind, everything he does is for Russ and Daughters. But it, yeah, he's he. Uh, it's Russ and Daughters Mysterio approved. But what do you what do you what do you got? Because I'm definitely blanking on a couple on, things. On one is wild things. Uh, one is host, which I I've talked about here briefly and and talked about on the big picture, which is a, a horror film, a, a, a mini movie basically. I think it's like about fifty six minutes. And it's on Shutter, and it is 
a quarantine horror movie. It's about a seance that's being conducted over Zoom during the pandemic that goes hella wrong. And it's fucking terrifying. It's just the right length. I think everybody's sort of capacity to take in information is tested because of the amount of time we're spending on screens. And I've obviously been watching plenty of movies over this period of time, but there was something really liberating about watching a film that was only like a little bit less than an hour. And it is legitimately like excellently well-made. Rob Savage directed it. And um, if people have a chance to check it out, it's on Shudder. I would, I would, I would definitely recommend that. I also said on the last podcast about how much I liked this documentary this docuseries that's on Amazon called All or Nothing, and it's uh, behind the scenes about Tottenham Hotspur, uh, an English Premier League team. That is actually a documentary that follows the team throughout this season. So it will include, uh, it hasn't aired yet, but it'll include um, the moment when play was suspended in England, when the virus was uh, breaking out there, and when they resumed play um, in this socially distant way in the Premier League. But so far, it's just been really really entertaining so if you like hard knocks or if you just like um jose Mourinho cursing at people you should definitely watch it and that that brings in some of the element and it also kind of since i'm always going to associate the pandemic to a degree with sports because of the rudy gobert moment it's been kind of interesting to watch a behind the scenes documentary play out that way i have one more thing that, that we forgot that was our i think at the time highlight of what has been nothing but mostly low lights which is the 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 Verzu's Battles oh yeah, yeah. On yeah. Instagram, that pretty quickly realized that they weren't actually battles; they're just kind of joint celebrations of music that meant a lot to a lot of people. And they've all been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But but the premier DJ premier Rizza Knight was just old guys doing their best. <laughs> Listen, you said it, not me. That <laughs> is what's happening right now, and that's that 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 was really an incredible moment. And and you know it's it, it's. It, deeply depressing and a little bit shocking to realize that we we've passed through numerous eras of the longest six months of our adult lives um but there was a moment or a couple moments like in late march and then in april i think when there was a sense at least among you know it it seemed like there was a a larger sense than maybe there was of of kind of community of connectivity Mm -hmm. that people were we were all doing this together to a degree to with a goal of um, making this country safe again and so our children can go back to school. But in that time, you know, little things like the SNLs at home, um, pr- probably I, 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 I was really moved by and enjoyed like our friend Katie Crutchfield's concerts that she was doing on her Instagram yeah. live. But, but basically, if you have a favorite artist, they were probably doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, more in the Daddington space, people like like kids authors like Mo Willems doing a daily doodle on YouTube for kids to draw along with. Like there was something there was there there was a there was a very innocent, you know, feeling of creativity. Yeah, like we're gonna make happening. this up as we go along. We're gonna get through it together, kind of thing. Yeah, and that was that was kind of special, and it, it's it's kind of nice, even thanks to this question, to remember it as we stare into the hell maw of the last two months of the presidential election. It's funny. I was talking with my, my wife and I have been chatting a bunch about, you know, I think partially because it's living in California. The weather is very similar every day. It's just like hot or not as hot. But uh, we were trying to sort of give chapters to the, to the quarantine since, mm-hmm. since March. Like, okay, so that was the period of time where we did this. And a lot of it is based on watching stuff because we haven't really gone anywhere since, since March. So a lot of it has been like, Oh, that was the the month where we just watched all of Top Chef. And right. that was the month that we got really into British mysteries like Grant Chester or Deadwater Fell or whatever and just kind of just sat around watching those for a while. And it, it's God. it's been <laughs> incredible. I just one of my favorite things about you is Well, you, you get to have you, like other human lives where you're like, and now this person is different than they were six months ago. I'm like, yeah, well, I gotta watch I gotta yeah, I but- just gotta watch like a, a vicar in 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 Cambridge solve a crime. Doesn't sound so bad. Um, <laughs> last thing on this question uh, that I was just thinking of: when when the pandemic hit and people could st- you know had to stop being in person, certain things that that seemed to thrive on being in person obviously were imperiled. But I did want to give a special shout out to Mark Marin and the pod- WTF podcast, yeah, because it's been pretty incredible consistently. Well, there's there's two things to say about it. It's obviously, he's obviously very popular. It's a very popular podcast. This isn't some under the radar recommendation, but if you've fallen away from it, um, 
it's been pretty amazing the pivot to Zoom that he's done. And it's led to some, I think, kind of looser conversations, um, which have been really riveting and fun. I mean, so there are things like, you talk to Kate Blanchett and then the file got corrupted and they had to throw it away and do it again a few days later, like, which is both everyone who does podcasts worst nightmare, but also created some interesting moments. Yeah. There were interviews like Kieran Culkin from The Secret Second Apartment that he got below his studio apartment where he lives with his wife and baby and he sneaks downstairs to do press. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing because apparently every piece of furniture in this apartment he salvaged from the lobby because they were all left by people who were fleeing New York from oh, their wow. country houses. Yeah. So a great one. But most of all, the Billy Crudup one, which is iconic, legendary performance. Yeah, so uh, you, you've been touting this to me for a while. Mm-hmm. What, give me like the keywords for this. Like, what is it about Crudup in, these, I, in this episode? That- Crudup is a source of fascination for both of us, um, I think for a long time, because we are big fans of him as an actor. Always happy to see him. He holds a kind of a mythic place in my pop, pop culture radar because in 1995, his first professional acting job was as one of the leads and the coolest part by far in Tom Stoppard's play Arcadia at Lincoln Center. And my dad took your boy, 18-year-old your boy, to New York to see that play. And uh, Robert Sean Leonard was in it and uh, Victor Garber. And I just I just checked the playbill. Uh, not I don't still have it. It was online but but Paul Giamatti was in it I had oh, no wow. idea anyway he was so incredible I was like that's the greatest actor I've ever seen and Hollywood kind of thought so too and he kept he got the he, he had the sort of drumbeat of parts that were gonna yeah, make Jesus him Jesus' son and almost Jesus famous son and, and the Robert Town Prefontaine movie Without Limits um, that was supposed to be a big deal and it wasn't and then at some point it just never really happened and he just was a working actor and obviously doing great work on the stage and fun supporting turns and Mission Impossible movies but he is just he's quite a presence he seems like a great hang fascinating family stories and then at the end he's like how'd I do buddy you know I haven't slept for two days (laughs) Jesus and it puts the whole thing sorry spoiler he's like I've just been up thinking about how the world is I hope I wasn't too out of it. And you're like, wow, that's, that's good coffee in New York. Anyway, all of this under the backdrop of what is just like an unimaginable summer of personal tragedy and loss. For Marin. Because of the loss of, for yeah. Marin, because of the loss of Lynn Shelton. And to, to not only be enjoying these interviews, but to you know have the weirdly intimate privilege of being with someone who we don't know, we've never met, um, processing grief in what appears to be the most um, just forthright and transparent emotional way. and transparent yeah. way it's 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 just I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody i wouldn't wish it on him but it's it's been an, it's been incredible to share that's a great wreck all right we'll come back with some more mailbag questions after a quick break today's episode of the watch is brought to you by heineken heineken would like to remind you that it's time for seasonal beers again that's right if you thought a cold crisp summer heineken was something just wait till you taste the heineken fall lineup or autumn depending on your zip code. Is it a new product? No, it's not. Just the same great tasting lager that's perfect for any season. Now, I love, 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 love fall. So just absolutely, I want to just live on the suburban street in Halloween where the leaves are blowing and the synths are playing. But, you know, it, it's it's still outdoor weather here in Los Angeles when that happens. But even if it was indoor weather, I would still be enjoying a crisp Heineken. It's just the perfect beer to go with it, whether it's a summer night or a fall late afternoon. Maybe we'll watch some sports if they're back. It's going to be great. Heineken Original Lager is made with pure malt and our famous A-Yeast, which makes Heineken an all-season, all-the-time kind of beer. That's right. So pick up a pack or get it delivered, whatever your style, and drink responsibly. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Ruffles. I am so happy about this. Do you know how many chips I've eaten in the last few months? So it gives me nothing but pleasure to introduce you to Ruffles Double Crunch Chips. They are heartier and crunchier than your favorite classic Ruffles, if that is even conceivable. And they come with more delicious Ruffle flavors in every bite. Every chip has been cooked to golden perfection to provide two times the Ruffles crunch. The Amplified Crunch delivers bold satisfaction to help you savor the moment. Ruffles Double Crunch Chips deliver a flavorful crunch with every chip on new, deeper ridges. They have two times the crunch of regular Ruffles, kettle cooked with deep ridges. Like spice? Do you like the spice? 
Ruffles Double Crunch Hot Wings flavor have deep cut Ruffles ridges. They're kettle cooked to crispy, crunchy perfection with the spicy, tangy flavor of classic hot wings. Own your ridges. Find a bag of Ruffles Double Crunch Hot Wings at a store near you. Greenwald, we're back. More mailbag for Labor Day Monday. And I thought this was an interesting one. This one comes from Paul Oyama. And he asked, who is a showrunner you would like to see tackle a new genre? And what would you want that genre to be? So Mm. obviously, this gets to the question of like, you know, do we want people to keep playing the hits? Do we want people to keep giving Mm -hmm. us, you know, so I, I think that an interesting person here would be Damon. Lindelof, who mm-hmm. I don't think makes the same show at all over and over again, but has hallmarks of his shows that I, I think you, you can see in Lost, that you can see in Leftovers, and that you can see in Watchmen. Um, then there are people who are kind of polymaths, or, or at least just like hard to pin down, like Jason Kadams, who has a show coming on Netflix called Away, which is about a, a, a mission uh, to Mars starring Hillary Swank, which I can't I was going to mention it. You I won't know. be watching that can't, show. Can't, can't watch it. Um, so I was curious whether or not anybody jumped to your mind because I don't know necessarily mm-hmm. that there are showrunners who are active, so active like in the way that Dick Wolf just did civil services. Right. <laughs> you know, he just like knocked out all of the cops and the firemen and the ER attendants and everything. But well, So, so what, what's your response to this? Well, there are people who's, um, you know, I think I think my the answers that come to mind are people who aren't necessarily pigeonholed in one way or another, but I would be curious to see a specific thing from them. I'm not going to say I want to see a sitcom from David Simon because I, I don't want to see that. Like he knows what he he's good at, he, and he and he does it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Damon is a great person to mention at the start of this, just because what's been great about his post lost career two shows deep now and two pretty close to masterpieces when all is said and done um, is that the the only consistent thing is we just don't really know what they're going to be. And there aren't as many people who are just continually pushing not just themselves, but the elasticity of the form that way. So I'm really excited for what he does next, but I wouldn't want to put a wall around it. Um, Because I love, we love detective stories and the noir genre in general. There are two creators I would love to see do it. One is, it might be recency bias, but one is Michaela Cole. I May Destroy You was a detective story in a lot of ways and was obviously a lot more than that. But I would love to see her do a London noir. That's the only rule I'm giving her. I don't know what whatever that means to her. The other people who I'd like to see tackle that and maybe do the same thing for New York would be the Russian Doll Crew. Natasha yeah. Leone and um, Leslie Headland, I guess, and Amy Poehler is a producer. Um, I am not the first, I am probably the last to suggest that uh, Natasha Leone, at this point in her career, basically is playing Philip Marlowe, whether she intends to or not. Um, so I would, I would love to see that uh, as well. Last one, and this is one of those things, you know when, you know, a great hero for both of us, a great broadcaster, someone we model our behavior on in all ways, um, Sean Hannity, when he gives his monologues or whatever he's speaking to an audience of one right sure to quote the title of uh, jim panowozik's book so i feel like we're doing this too and this is a stress test to see if he still listens to our show and not just the big picture on repeat but sam esmail loves 80s content like it made him we're the same age all three of us and he loves the big pump up the volume fan right he loves that movie loves back to the the future on that yeah I would love to see him try to do something in that Stranger Things zone. I, I almost regret not saying like Stranger an Things Amblin because I, teens thing, but yeah, yeah, an Amblin. I'd like to see him harness some of the wonder that made him want to make movies and TV, and because he's done the dark, skeptical, dystopian thing, um, and obviously the current moment lends itself to that. So maybe he he might want to wait a couple of years. But I would love to see his Back to the Future. Because I think that 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 is something that lives in him, and it's something that motivates him, and I think it would be really cool to see. Those are really good answers. I think uh, I don't know if I could even add on to that. I would. I I think that I'd sort of been toying around with an answer that 
I, I some of my favorite shows of the last couple of years. I may destroy you, Fleabag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't spent much time talking about better things on this show, but I'm a big fan of that show. Um, you know, to some extent, Atlanta. Although I think Atlanta is a more is not quite like a personality driven show in terms of its. It's obviously like Donald Glover has a lot to do with what it is, but I think that mm-hmm. that ensemble has kind of subsumed. Like it, that ensemble stands on its own, and it's not For dependent sure. on Donald Glover. But for I would love to see the next shows from some of the people who have made shows that are about versions of themselves, you know, mm. or about a, you know a, a variation. So I can't wait to see Rami Youssef's next show or Pamela Adams' next show. Not that I want Rami or Better Things to end, but they're such compelling writers. I would just be curious to see what they did if they messed around with different genres or if they messed around with different characters. Yeah, I agree with that. I think in a way that that it's the same spirit of my answer, right? Which is that there's a. It's not fair to say at this moment. It's I think it's always true. Like the 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 dominant mode of creatives for the first work it tends to be autobiographical, mm-hmm. and that's true whether you're talking about like, um, what 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 was Arabella's book title like? Uh, uh, confessions of a something millennial, like, whether, like whether, fe- a fed whether, up millennial. Yeah. Right. So whether we're talking about Michaela Cole or Phoebe Waller bridge or Lena Dunham, or we're talking about, um, Philip Roth, whose first book letting go is basically about like very serious book about himself going to graduate school and then started to have fun. So this idea that like, let's let these people who are known for themselves to a degree, give them the creative space that people have had for decades before them to play with genre and insert themselves into it and what, see what that means. I think that would be, I think that's just sort of a generally something that we'd like to see more of. This is a pretty broad strokes one from Ryan Schaefer. Wouldn't mind some takes on music from 2020 this far. Uh, we haven't oh. done like a, just what are we listening to pod in a while or, or even a, mm-hmm. a segment wishing there was a 1975 take out there for the kids didn't give them a chance until CR gave them such a glowing review for a brief inquiry into online relationships. I think that you've been a little bit more on the streets with this than I have. Cause like I basically in the last six months have swung wildly from ornate, but largely nostalgic, nostalgic and like historical playlists, whether it's mm-hmm. just like, I'm just going to listen to all this Zeppelin and maybe a bunch of stuff that was happening around Zeppelin or I'm going to listen to this person's 200-song playlist from 1984 or something. Just a lot of music from the past, and then I'll go. I'll just like stop on a dime and just listen to podcasts for two weeks, and then I'll come back. I, you know, I, I've I've swung around a bunch. There's been records that I really like this year. Obviously, we both love the Killers record. I really like the Fontaine's DC album a lot. There's been a few other things, but what, what's the, I? I feel like you should answer this question a little bit more than me because I feel like you've been a little bit more up to date on stuff. I just feed me, feed me new music this year. I don't know why, but there's been a lot of great music and I don't know whether my desire to consume more and more of it comes from the desire to feel anything other than (laughs) the monotony of our daily existence. Um, I don't know whether it's tied to the fact that, you know, there's no way to, you, I mean, not like we were going to shows like we were 15 years ago, but you can't go to shows anymore. And so actively trying to engage with and support musicians feels a little bit more paramount at the moment but it's been an incredible year i think i mean you mentioned records we liked there's also the waxahachie record from earlier in the year um there's a great great record by uh, a nigerian singer called fireboy dml that i've totally become obsessed with and artists that you and i talk about on our secret im chain like young gov yeah uh, who's put out a great new track but you know just Falling down rabbit holes. I don't know what, whether this is something I didn't have time for when I was making the show or not, but but like becoming totally obsessed with Benny the Butcher, the rapper from Buffalo, New York, who's part of the Griselda crew, yeah. who we love. And then being like, oh, these guys are not that much younger than us, but like have li- are alive in this moment culturally and online in a way that we're not. And just there's just a new release every week of some affiliated side project, right? Whether it's a track with some guy named Lee or this like Black Soprano family mixtape. Um, and then there's also just stuff like Bruce Hornsby put out a great record. Chris, Bruce Hornsby. Can you believe this? The range are no longer in the picture. Did you Boy, like is that Bruce a story? Hornsby growing up though? No, I mean, th- there was th- that's just the way it was, right? That song yes. was on VH1. I know I was past tensing it for all the people who were going to criticize me. Um, But he put out this new record and he's fascinating. And he has a duet with your boy, Jimmy Mercer from this, from uh, the shins, you know? So maybe we'll throw up a playlist um, 
have you heard a hundred gex, Chris? This is this is why people tune in. They want the chicken recipes. Yeah, and they I think want so. I've heard me that. talking to you about a weird art punk duo that take emo from two thousand five and then just like chip tune the fuck out of it until it's something <laughs> that wants to destroy you. Um, it's it's pretty fun. Last thing, guys, I put this on Instagram. It's a band called Sweeping Promises. From yeah, you're really into this. I I, I had to. I had to just like go around the blockade of CR and I just sent it right to your wife because I knew that she would get it. And it, this, yeah, is, this is... She's pretty into is, it. And she was also like, uh, I was like, the other day I was trying to listen to something on a walk to go get my lunch and she was, and I just kept saying, this is being used somewhere else. And she was like, oh, Andy sent me the span Sweeping Promises. So I was just listening to it on my way back home. Yeah, everybody check out the Sweeping Promises record. It's like jittery, post-punk, um, early 80s vibes, but very much of the moment, I think. Um, also, as I said to your wife, as a Spotify employee, I think you could probably get access to that like yeah, multi-use but you know, family plan. At this plan. point, I, I'm into the chaos of the algorithm. Because like, <laughs> based on what she listens to versus what I listen to, it just makes some very interesting daily drives. Oh my um, God. Can I, can I tell you how bad my made-for-you playlists have become ever since my older daughter discovered Disney Channel original movies? <laughs> I, I, I don't even have words for you. To discuss how much of my it's time. like Benny the Butcher and then stuff from Mulan. No, it's not. First of all, first half of that. Yes, you, you're Chris. You don't even. You live in a world where you can watch your uh, oh, what's the fuss, Vicar shows like on a Tuesday, and you have never heard of a film series called Descendants, which is a live action, low budget trilogy made for the Disney Channel by. Uh, legendary Hollywood choreographer Kenny Ortega in which oh sure Disney Channel stars these people are the most famous people in the world and I had never heard of them and, and you definitely haven't take on the roles of the children of legendary villains from Disney cartoons and then they all sing and dance together and eventually become friends and I, I cannot do you know how we talked about I May Destroy You where we're like, boy, this is so challenging. We just got to unpack it and like, let's keep going. But we know that we're in the presence of something great. We're at this stage with my older daughter who, who now, if I get in, if, if we get in the car, not only do we have to listen to the songs, if there's a lull in the music, and the little one loves it too now, and she sings along about how she's rotten to the core because uh-huh. uh, they used to be bad. But anyway, uh, in the lulls between songs, I am... This is what comes. Do you have any questions for me about Descendants? Do I personally? Or you? That's what she asked oh, me. Your daughter and I'm like, asked. Yeah. No, I'm 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 pretty good. Like Mal has purple hair, right? She's like, Ugh. so that's my life, and that's my that's so that that's your take the precious Spotify algorithm and fix that. <laughs> Let's wrap up with this one question, which I thought was really really good, which uh, is from Coach Cat, and they ask. Is there anything potentially belt-worthy that you know of coming down the TV pipeline still for 2020 mm. that has a chance to dethrone I May Destroy You? I don't know about that last part, but I will say that, as you and I discussed on Thursday, it does sound like, in a, in a pretty significant way, TV and film production has picked back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, there will inevitably be some hurdles and some hiccups in that, but it does sound like people are finishing seasons they had begun getting back to production on shows. There's also been plenty of shows that we were looking forward to that are no longer going to be made because of COVID, because of the new um, budgetary uh, requirements made on TV productions for, for to make sure that they're following all, mm-hmm. the, all the rules. Uh, the Society was a show on Netflix that me and Kaya were very fond of that is not coming back anymore. I, I'm sorry, the Andrea Savage show, which yeah. was a really pleasant, yeah. oh, hey, watch. Was and it sucks too filming. because it sounds like this. For the most part, the cancellations have sounded kind of brutal. Like it sounds like writers' yeah. rooms were going, or people were getting I, ready to move. I, to, you know, to I'm do sorry, the- filmed half of its third season, and yeah. they were just waiting. I mean, I, I cannot, I cannot allow those thoughts into my head because. You know, just from my personal experience of last year, I, I mean, I, this is how I live every day, which is like assuming someone's going to come take it all away and shut it down. Yeah. To have actually have it be shut down first by the pandemic and then to live in that suspended state of like, well, what can I, can I finish this? Will I ever get a chance to? And then to be told, no, it's, it's, it's just cruelty. It's awful. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be 
a next six months unlike any because typically what you know you you round into the home stretch of the year and you're getting the awards movies and you, there's usually a couple of really significant critically acclaimed shows in the second half of the year succession shows, season three yeah um succession season three stranger things like i don't know when that will return they were shooting that in atlanta and in albuquerque i don't i don't know what the plan is for that but I will say of the stuff that I have been checking out that's coming out in the coming weeks, the most impressed I've been is with this show called The Third Day, which is coming out on HBO. It was written by Dennis Kelly, who did the British version of Utopia, um, which is now going to be, an, they're, they're doing an American version of it on Amazon, and Gillian Flynn is doing that. And we're, we're and excited finished. for that that's, too. And they finished coming. that. But Dennis Kelly's new show is on HBO. It's a co-pro between HBO and Sky, and it stars Jude Law, Catherine Waterston, Naomi Harris, Patty Considine, Emily Watson. I've only watched one episode, so I won't get into it. And I also, it is, it is a, the less you know from somebody casually talking about it, the better. But structurally, tonally, in terms of how it's made, the performances, and it really is just a guy happens upon a mysterious island off the coast of England, role mystery uh, story. I, the, that, that's all I'm going to say. So well done. It's just, it's so gripping. And it was really like watching it. I was like the same feeling that you were talking about with the boys where you're just like, this is pro shit. Like they, they know exactly what they're doing. Even just Jude Law, who I think, you know, has been kind of like, most people have just been associating him with young Pope over the last couple of years. Just to see him like flipping out on a cell phone and kind of just being a little bit more like a normal person for, for at least an hour. I was like, oh yeah, Jude Law can really command attention. <laughs> this is pretty amazing. I, I do. I can't wait for the show. I do feel a little bit triggered by that comment, like people who were just talking about Young Pope. When Chris, actually, my dominant image of Jude Law is from when I did see him just talking on his cell phone at the Broad Art Museum last year. Remember when he was wearing like what appeared to be oh, yeah. athletic pants? That's right. That was that was really a gripping. Gripping performance, as far as I was concerned. Um, before we wrap up, but there was one other thing I wanted to say that I don't think it's going to get the z- the belt necessarily. But the probably the show that I'm anticipating the most after Third Day is called Gangs of London, which is I think kind of going to scratch the zero 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 itch a little bit. Although it sounds like it's a little bit more action packed than zero 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 was. It's Gareth Evans who did the Raid movies. It's his first foray into making a show, and it is supposed to be phenomenal it already aired in england i watched some of a first episode quasi illegally so i'm waiting for like the real version of it i think it's coming uh later this year on amc and i'm i'm very excited for this did you have any that you were looking forward to honestly you named the ones i mean one major reversal of this podcast is is who gets the screeners (laughs) and third day i'm really hyped for i think that sounds really exciting um Beyond that, you know, I just, I just, you know, you know me, like, I just love television and I love to just like sit down, fire up a remote control button push and just be like, take me away, little black box, you know, take me places I didn't expect. You're you're just a really curious watcher. Before before we wrap up, um, can I just bring people in on one of the things that happened when I was on my uh, adrenaline endorphins and caffeine rush this morning? This, the floor is yours. I think this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Well, just to say... A little bit of clearly uh, chemically induced nostalgia took me back via the Google Books engine to Spin Magazine, November 2003. Okay. Can you name the cover star? 03? Yeah. November 03. It's pre-strokes though, right? No, that's post-strokes, but definitely this is an artist who was never on the cover again. But not because of the O three ness of him. I'll give you a hint. Uh, Greta Gerwig bought this issue. No, I don't. I have no idea. Who is it? I'll give you another hint. Uh, like your outdoor grill, this person is responsible for ants marching. Paul Rudd, <laughs> Dave Matthews. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Dave Matthews. So what a weird issue. But among the things, like sometimes I just look at this because it, you generally aren't aware of history when you're living it. You know, and I, and I remember, you know, we all have, however old we are, we see things from like a time before and maybe they're, um, people are using those telephones on the wall where they're like, yeah, you know, give me mahogany, 652 or whatever. And you're like, what? People really lived like that. Um, this magazine is kind of 
kind of like that, even though we lived it, right? Because there is an entire feature, and I want I want to get this headline right. So so give me one second to just call this up. There is a feature in this issue called Can We Still Be Friendsters? Subhead, from Williamsburg to Wyoming, friendster.com has spread like an unchecked social disease, with thousands of new people being invited to join the site each day. But as the popular community expands to include every internet-using man, woman, and child, it's getting more difficult for anyone to make a connection. Ah, yes, the main problem with social media is the challenge to really find connection. (laughs) Wonderful job by us. There is a thing running beneath the fold in this whole profile called Ring In The New. When the internet isn't available, the latest tricked-out cell phones let you connect to people the old-fashioned 21st century way, and it recommends getting, like, the Motorola C350 uh, or the Nokia 3300 because at least the Nokia's ringtones sound, quote, more like music than the aggravated blips of alien invaders. A mere $200. So all of this is to say, I'm flipping through this, having a grand old time, you know, really enjoying the photo fashion spread featuring the Swedish rockers, The Sound, your boys feature on Thursday with their big major label debut. And then you get to the review section and there's the review of Kanye West's first record written by young Chris himself, CR. Mm-hmm. B plus, B plus. So obviously an A plus album. That record specifically was reviewed off of, of, it was a different version than the one was released. I don't remember, there was a song with, I want to say it was either Luda. Well, the Luda song was put is on. on it. Is but there an ODB song? I think there was a, That's what came off. The ODB, an song, ODB song. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that that was a, you know, reviews are a snapshot in time. I obviously have a pretty deep affection for that first record. I wasn't, I wasn't criticizing the. the no, I know. The, I mean, but it, it, it's it's my shame that like I called, you know, I Kanye West as like where he's like landed in the culture might be like lower than a B plus at this point. I would imagine, <laughs> but that album itself is still one of the most perfect things I've heard in my life. It's also it was just very special though to like be have no memory of any of this and be flipping the pages virtually and see this Kanye West review, again, like where this is coming from in 2003, the lead full page review that led the section was Bell and Sebastian go widescreen with Dear Catastrophe Waitress. So (laughs) once again, finger on the pulse. But the review after yours is me writing about Death Cab's transatlanticism. And I was like, look at us friends. Look at us together. I thought that was very sweet. What a nice little trip to, to, to media past. I shared the Death Cab review with Chris and he highlighted the pun in the first paragraph and assumed it was the work of our friend and editor, John Dolan, and not me. He was very good at those one-liners and (laughs) at making my bad sentences good. We'll wrap it up there. I hope everybody had a lovely long weekend. Andy and I will be back on Thursday. We're talking The Boys Season 2 and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. Until then, take it easy. Happy Labor Day.